Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalms 138. We want to just begin reading it, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. I will praise thee with my whole heart. I will praise thee with my whole heart. I wonder if we understand the depth of that. I will praise Thee with my whole heart. Every part of my being. Before the gods will I sing praise unto Thee. I wonder if we understand the depth of that. You know, we face many false gods every day. Every single day. David said, I'll sing praise to you. I'll sing praise to you in their presence. That's exactly what Paul and Silas did in jail. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. Right in the midst, right in their face, I'll sing praise to my God. I will worship towards your holy temple. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth the far off. Father, thank you for your word. And we thank you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We know that it's steadfast, sure, and it's eternal. Father, I thank you for the anointing upon our ears to hear it accurately our hearts to receive it, our minds to be open unto it. And I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of your spirit and power. And Father God, I will give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for all that is wrought in our midst in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice <clears throat> verse 6 again. Though the Lord be high. Now we know that the Lord is high. We know that. He's high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. But notice, yet hath he respect. Respect means honor. It, it means he has regard. And, and by definition, it just means differential regard. Meaning he is submissive to or yielding unto the lowly. Did you get that? Although he's high and lifted up, the Bible says that he 
has respect, deferential regard, submitting himself to or yielding unto the lowly. Yet he knows the proud afar off. Afar off, at a distance. He gives grace unto the humble, but God resists the proud. That's what he's saying. And yesterday, it just came up out of my spirit. Actually, Bruce and I were talking. It just came up out of my spirit as we were talking. We're talking about the faith walk, talking about the Word of God, talking about the fact that the, the walk of faith is a, a lifestyle. It's not something that you try. It's not something that you see if it'll work for you. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of commitment, that you commit yourself to the way of the Lord. And it just rose up inside my spirit that what we need is, we, we need, don't, we don't need schools of theology. Now I know some people that'll rub the wrong way, but beloved, listen. We don't need schools of theology. We need schools of humility. And I need that, that bears repetition. We don't need schools of theology. We need schools of humility. The lowly. You know, that's the beginning of learning. I mean that with every part of my being. You'll not begin to learn the ways of God or the ways of the Lord until you become humble, lowly, until you submit yourself or humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I'll show that to you. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. There's only one way we could learn about the fatherhood of God. There's only one way we could really learn about the things of God. And that's through the example of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came to reveal the Father, to, to bring the invisible God into visibility so that we can openly see Him and know Him and perceive Him and understand Him. That's why Jesus came. Notice the Scripture in connection with the other Scripture. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, how are we going to learn of you? Well, I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. Jesus, I'm, I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. And you'll find rest under your souls. You know what makes up the soul? The mental faculties, the intellect, the, the will. You know, there are those that are involved in schools of theology. And there are those that are involved in higher education. And you know what? They have nervous breakdowns. I mean to tell you, they have nervous breakdowns. Why? Because they can't find rest for their souls. They are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Their minds are going 150 miles an hour. Learning and learning and learning and learning and striving and striving, but never arriving, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Beloved, the time has come, I believe, that we need to understand this. We will never learn of God. You can go to every school in the country. You can go out of the country and go to every school you want to go to. And you can educate your mind as, as much as you want to. 
And you can learn as much as you want to. You can know the ins and the outs, the cultures and everything about even, even the Bible. You can learn all that you possibly can and gain all kind of uh, a vast head knowledge. And you know what? Not know God. And you'll not know God. God is not found in that kind of knowledge. God is only found in the realm of the Spirit. And there is a knowledge that's in the realm of the Spirit that only can be revealed to the person who is lowly, to the person who is submissive, to the person who is humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, that He may lift you up. Learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly. God has respect under the lowly. What does He do? He gives them grace. He gives them understanding. He gives them wisdom. He reveals Himself. Jesus Himself said, You've hidden these truths from the wise and the prudent, but You have revealed them unto babes. Why did He say babes? The unlearned and the ignorant. Because a baby is so humble. Do you want to know what a baby will do if you begin to teach that baby? It has no knowledge. When I say ignorant, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean ignorant in a sense of lack of knowledge. A, a, a baby doesn't have knowledge. A baby must accumulate facts and gain knowledge. And the only way that child is going to do that is by going primarily to the parents. And the parents will begin to teach and instruct that child and say, Say, Mama. Now, that doesn't sound too good to us. I mean, that sounds foolish, like foolishness unto us when we talk that way. But you know what? That child doesn't have any knowledge. And that child is so humble, it'll just look at you and watch your lips and it'll try to form those words. It'll try to speak. Speak out what you're saying. Because it's humble. It doesn't know anybody. It doesn't have any knowledge of its own. It just wants to learn. You know, that's why the Bible says, trust the Lord with your heart and lean not to your own understanding. One of the most difficult things to do, especially for men, Especially for men. Why? Because men don't like to be submissive to anyone. See, women throughout history have always been submissive for the most part unto their husbands, unto men. Wives, submit yourselves. In the fall, you'll be submissive to your husband. So they learned humility that way. And of course, there was a time we know that it was abused and, and they were, they were abused and we know there's a lot of abuse going on right now, but I'm talking about even in, even in our country where they were lorded over and they, men took that to the extreme and treated them not even with respect or kindness, but made it like I'm the foreman, you know, and you're, you're my worker and you're my slave, you know, and you're going to do what, what I tell you to do. Nevertheless, a woman by nature, and especially because of the fall, she will submit herself. So she's used to being submissive. And that's part of her character. But a man, <laughs> don't you tell me. See, God made man in his own image and likeness first. He wants to rule, not be ruled. He wants to have authority over, not have somebody to have authority over him. So you see, that's why we find so many, especially at this hour, 
so many men just don't want to be submissive unto God. Because you see, I could do it myself. I'm capable of getting by. I could do it myself. You're never going to learn to Jesus that way. People think in the world that Christianity just means weakness in your character. You need that stuff because you're not a strong enough man. You're not macho enough to get by in this life. You can't make it. See, you need to be submissive to something. But I want you to know, beloved, that Jesus was the strongest person ever walked upon this earth. Jesus was the most powerful man that ever lived in the realm of this earth. Jesus was the most effective individual that ever walked upon this earth. He was the smartest, the wisest. And we could go on and on and describe Him in character and ability and flawlessness, and you can't find any man that could meet His standards. But yet, He said, I'm meek. Yet, He said, I'm lowly in heart. And if you want to learn something, learn of me. See, as fathers, we want our children to be submissive to us. I just have this within my spirit about the family, that, that, that God our Father wants a unity. But you know, as a father, we need to be good leaders. We really do. Not only providers, and I think we need to define some things. Providers, we need to be good leaders. There's a lot of things we need to be as fathers, but I, I believe with all my heart that we cannot possibly fulfill what God would have us to fulfill as a father until we become submissive to Him. All fatherhood springs out of God. He's the father of, you know, of all believers. He is the creator of all mankind, but He's the father of believers. You know, we can be a father and not even be saved. And we could demand respect from our children and you may get it, especially if you're that kind that, you know, you abuse that child. Sure, that child will respect you out of fear. But Jesus told a company of people that were extremely religious and said, you're of your father, the devil. We could pattern our life, our fatherhood after the wrong father figure. Did you know that? And if we do that, what we implement in, in, in teaching and training and educating and directing our children can be wrong. Can be wrong. And if leadership is wrong in the family unit, you're going to find out that everything else is going to be wrong in the family unit. I believe that Father God wants us as men, as husbands, as fathers. I believe He wants us to humble ourselves unto Him. To learn of Jesus. To be meek and lowly in heart. Because you see, men, we have a responsibility that the women do not have. We have a responsibility that they do not have. You'll find out when, when Israel, when they were to enter into Canaan's land, Moses had twelve leaders come out, and each one was a leader of a certain tribe. And that leader influenced the people in that tribe. Well, if we could take that into the realm of the family, you know, one was of the tribe of Judah, one was of the a tribe of this or the tribe of that. But listen, I believe we have represented here, you know, the tribe of, tribe of Beckner. 
the tribe of Sorelli, the tribe of Souter. I believe that. The tribe of Sacon. What tribe are you from? What was their responsibility to get that tribe into the promised land? Wasn't it? They failed to enter in. Why? Because of poor leadership. And we don't want to fail to get our families into the promises of God. As fathers, as husbands, as men who are to be submissive to the Almighty God. God our Father has a plan for our lives individually and as a family, He expects us to take the role of leadership and provide proper leadership so that we can enter in not just ourselves, but our families. That's why He said, I know Abraham. Abraham is a man who will teach his children and his children's children so that I can bring upon him the blessings that I said that I would in my covenant with him. God prizes this highly. He, ta- he, he esteems this highly. He wants us to be blessed, yes, but He wants it to be carried on throughout each generation so that our children and our children's children will become stronger and stronger and more effective as each generation goes by. And as you can see that if each generation would follow this and flow with this, each generation would be in more light and have more light and have more wisdom and have more understanding and have more humility and have more love and power and ability with God. I believe that you know Jesus is just right there with the power switch. Man, He's got that thing down a little bit. And we're experiencing some of that little bit of power that He's been you know allowing to manifest in our midst. But I believe that when when people who are in leadership, men, whether we recognize it or whether we don't recognize it, it's so nonetheless. We are leaders of our family. We are providers. We are leaders, among other things. And God wants us to take the place, if I could use this in these terms, He wants us to take His place and be an underfather to our children. He's a shepherd. We we hear of under shepherds. For he's the father also. And in reality, beloved, we're under fathers. And as under fathers, do you know what our responsibility is? And if you want to be successful in this, you have to understand and know this. You're to be a provider, but you know you cannot possibly be the provider that God wants you to be without knowing God. Men, fathers, Husbands, you cannot be the, the provider. We take pride in providing for our families. We take pride in, in seeing, you know, to it that there's food on the table, that the, that the bills are paid, you know, etc., etc. We take pride in that. We want to be faithful to do that, and that's fine. We should have that attitude. But beloved, unless you have provided God, the knowledge of God, For your family, you've not provided that which is necessary to get them into the promised land. They can't get into the promised land on your money. Your family will never get into the promised land just because you provide food and clothing and all that. 
the only way that they're going to enter in and the only way that we're going to fulfill God's plan is if we provide the knowledge of God to them. Because you see, one day they're going to grow up and one day they're going to develop and they're going to get to a place of independence. By that time, they probably spent all your money anyhow. But there's one thing you can provide for them if they'll get a hold of that will last them while you're, when you're gone. You've departed from this life. You're now in the presence of God. But you have provided something for them, your children, upon this earth. You've made provisions for them that's eternal. You provided them the knowledge of God. They know God. So you can't possibly fulfill the role model of a father, of an underfather, unless you provide for your children the knowledge of the living God. A provider. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I'll tell you what, it, it does it, it does something inside my spirit when I see that that men don't want to get involved in the things of God and take take their place in fatherhood. Providing the knowledge of God. And if it does that to me, I could imagine what it does to the Heavenly Father. We don't need schools of theology. Because your average person won't go to a school of theology. But we do need schools of humility. Humble yourself under the almighty hand of God. Learn of Him. Gain the knowledge of God. See, and you can only do that through humility. Let's go on back to, I'll show you another psalm that will bless you. Psalm 103. And look at verse 13. There's scriptures that will bless you about, you know, taking your place being a, a father under God. In verse 13 it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Why? For he knows their frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now, let's just stop for a moment and think about that. God the Father knows our frame. God the Father knows we've been made out of dust. He is the Heavenly Father. What does an earthly father know about that newborn babe? Do you ever see a father in a, in a waiting room? I mean, when that child's about to be born, or especially if that father's in there with, you know, with the, the mother. I mean to tell you, what a delight. What a joy. I mean, indescribable. It's a joy unspeakable. You can't even talk about it. They're just so full of joy. And, and they see the helplessness, the innocence of that newborn babe, that child. And I mean to tell you, you talk about love and, and joy and mercy. I mean, you, you can watch them around. The newborns in this church, you can just see them dads, proud fathers with smiles from ear to ear just walking around. And I mean to tell you, just glorifying God and praising God. And you talk about protective. My goodness. Do anything. Why? Because he knows the frame of that child. Child can't provide food for him or herself. This child cannot protect him or herself. And that father takes pride. He knows that child's frame. He'll do anything and everything. Of course, unless, I mean, you know, you're an exception. But do anything and everything to provide all that that child needs every day 
of his or her life because he knows that child's frame. Well, now notice this. As a father pities his children, the Lord pities them that fear him. The Lord's looking down upon us also, beloved. You're a father out there today. I want you to, I want you to hear this because it'll bless your heart. It'll get us all set in the right direction. You know, we can get so caught up, so caught up in trying to win the world and do things for Jesus that we can ignore our children. I mean that. We can. No one's exempt, myself included. I can get so caught up in the things of God. Sometimes we put other priorities and, and we shouldn't do that, but we get so caught up and, and so bound up. And you don't think we have an adversary out there who wants that to happen? That we feel guilty sometimes to even take time to do the things that we need to do as parents with our children. But I want you to know something today. Just bless me, it'll bless you. The Father pities us just as we pity our children. Pity means to have mercy upon. Look at Lamentations while we're looking at that, while we're talking about that. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. And verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. I'll wait. It's right after Jeremiah. Lamentations. Right after the book of Jeremiah. <laughs> In case you're having a hard time finding it. See, if we want to be the true father figure, we've got to, we've got to look at the father. We've got to see how he deals with us. We've got to know him as provider. We've got to know him as leader. We've got to know him as lover. Then, of course, we pattern our fatherhood after His. And this is what I mean when I say I believe the Father wants us to enroll in His school of humility. And once again, I believe it's, for the most part, for men. It's too easy for us just to say I'm in a, I'm in a position here that I've got this to do, that to do. I do this part. This is my responsibility. And for the wives, it's your responsibility to take the kids to church and to Sunday school and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. Beloved, that's not what the Bible teaches. We have a, a major part to play in their spiritual upbringing. We have to provide proper, properly all that they need, of course, in this life, but most importantly, the knowledge of God. We have to provide proper leadership for them so that they can enter into the promised land just like those leaders were to provide for those Israelites and every tribe so they would enter into the, into the promised land. We've got to provide love. Love for our children because they need love. But we can only provide proper love by looking to the Father's love. It's easy to love your child, as I said, even as an unregenerate person and you love that child, but you're still not providing the kind of love that that child really needs. See, that child came from God, not just from man, but the child's life came from God. And that child must learn either of one father, God, or that child will actually grow up and you know what... You know what Father figure, it'll see. It'll be taught. Jesus said, you're of your father the devil. And you do the works that you do because you see him. He's a liar, so you lie. And you just follow after him. You just pattern your life after him. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed in verse 22 of Lamentations chapter 3. Because his compassions fail not. 
Now notice, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. A father, I don't know about you, but I know about me, so I'll, I'll just use myself as the example. When I get, I don't care how my children were yesterday. I mean, they could be, uh, you know, anybody have two boys, you know, that maybe they're not, they're about two, almost two years apart, but I'll tell you what, they're just as big as each other. Jason's just as big as BJ. And they are boys. Boys are boys, and boys just love to fuss. You know, you can't, you do, you just can't get on the side that you're so spiritual you think that children don't fuss and, and do the things that they do. They've got to grow up. Amen? They have to be of hard knocks. And I mean hard knocks from each other. You know, before they get to the place where, you know, they get away from that and develop. Well, I mean, yesterday, if it's yesterday that they're at each other and, and fussing and fighting and doing what they're doing and they can get on... Any, any children ever get, you know, get on your patience? Anybody here? None of you, Right? I mean, have they ever tried your endurance and patience and loving kindness ever, you know, in their existence? I mean, seemingly, you know, well, we better get off of that, huh? Well, I want you to notice something. They may have been the worst they've ever been since you've given birth to them yesterday, right? You get up in the morning, you walk over to the bed, and you look down at that little body and you melt. Right? Or sometimes, you know, Jason just has a way. He, you know, he, sometimes he'll just crawl out of his bed and just come on over and jump and just hug you around the neck and squeeze you around the neck and just say, Daddy, I just love you. I just love you so much. You forget about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. I mean, right away, that morning, your mercies have been renewed. And they knew how to renew their mercies, didn't they? They knew exactly what to do. You know, the Father God is the same way with us. Every time we wake up in the morning, people have the idea that, that, that God is condemning them. People have the idea that God's looking down upon them. Well, what are you going to do today? Well, beloved, that's not how our Father is. Can you imagine yourself doing that to your child? I mean, if the Father was, was like that, my goodness, what kind of a Father would He be? No, you see that child, and no matter what that child did yesterday, you're just so full of love. I know exactly what my mother's talking about when she said, someone said, I didn't understand it when I was young, but you grow up, you know, you get out of that carnal state of, of thinking, and you grow up and you find out what they're talking about. She used to say, someone said, how's the boys? They're fine, especially when they're sleeping. <laughs> especially, I said, what is she talking about? When we don't do anything when we're sleeping. You know, when you're just little, you hear that, you, you don't know what they're talking about. But then all of a sudden, you find out, especially when they're sleeping. And I remember, you know, you, the older you get, some of you teenagers, you watch. You watch. You will find yourself, after you have your children, you'll find yourself sitting down, imitating, mimicking your mother and your father. You'll sit there and say, especially when they're sleeping. Now I know what my mother was talking about when she said, especially when they're sleeping. They're just so sweet. Amen. But you see, this is the Father God. 
The Father God is that way towards us. And that's why we've got to receive His mercy, His loving heart, His kindness, pattern our life after His and be that kind of a father, be that kind of a mother. Look unto Him. His mercies are renewed every single morning. You get up in the morning. That's why David... Go, look at the next verse first. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. He said, learn of me. You'll have rest for your soul. Do you know where they were supposed to enter into? Canaan's land was supposed to be a type of what? Rest. Do you know what rest he's talking about when Jesus said, you'll find rest unto your what? So, you know what he's talking about? Get your mind off of all this theology. Oh, beloved, I can't express it enough, and I'm not putting down preachers. Please listen. I'm not putting down radio preachers, television preachers, and, and, and theologians, that sort of thing. But you know, your, your mind can only take so much. Your intelligence can only take so much before it begins to go in another direction. It'll begin to reject because it's just too much to handle, to take in. Jesus said, in your patience, possess ye your souls. We need to possess our souls. We need to have peace of mind. And the only way you're going to get that is if the Lord is your portion and you begin to find your rest in Him. And that's soul rest is what He's talking about. I know my God. See, and the theologian will come along and try to uproot you. No, I know my God. Don't tell me I can't believe that. I'm going to do it. Someone trying to tell me, Psalms 128, you hear me all the time quote that psalm. And you hear me all the time say, I looked at that psalm. My wife and I were unable to have children. Look at that psalm. I read that psalm. That psalm said, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, who walks in his ways. Happy shall he be. It will be well with him, who eat the fruit of his, his labors and all that. His wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of his house, and his children like olive plants round about his table. And I use that. You don't know how many times people, supposedly intellectual people, have come to me and said, you cannot use that to believe God to have children. I said, you can't. Don't tell that to BJ or Jason. Don't you tell that to my children. And I'll be quite frank with you. I said, and I don't want to hear it myself anymore. I'm tired of hearing people say, you can't believe God because this says this or this says that. No, you're only going to find rest unto your soul when you begin to rest in God and you rest in the integrity of His Word and you humble yourself before the Word of God. Fathers, if we're going to provide proper leadership for our children, for our family, to get them into rest, you know what we have to provide? We have to provide faith. We have to believe in God. Not only do we have to know God to be the proper provider for our children, but we have to believe God, believe His Word. Do you know why they couldn't enter into rest? Because of unbelief. They could not get their tribe, the tribe of Beckner, into that place, that promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. Starts in leadership with the Father and goes right on through. And you'll find out, beloved, that many families cannot entertain the blessings of God or experience the, the blessings of God because there's disharmony and, and disunity between husband and wife. Not coming together in faith and believing God. Taking the time that it takes, not only to go to work, but also to work or labor inside this Word. To get a hold of God. You can't provide it, people, for your children unless you know God. Unless, number two, you believe God. You have to believe God. He said, the Lord is my portion. I'll hope in Him. 
saith my soul. Find rest to your soul. And they'll tell you time and time again. And, and they get their, their faith obviously just because they study certain theological terms. You can't believe God for this and you can't believe God for that. We might as well rip that book apart and throw it away if we can't believe God. You have to believe God. And you have to provide that for your children. Fathers, your children need to see you believe in God. I said your children need to see you believe in God. Saying, children, I believe in God. Maybe the money's short this month, but you know what, children? I believe God. People, you know doubt and unbelief is catchy. Did you know that? Doubt and unbelief is catchy. That's what happened to Israel back then. God wanted them to enter into a place of rest where they had total provisions. Did you know what those provisions were? How many fathers can provide freedom from sickness and disease? Raise your hand if you can provide that. Your money can't provide that. How many can provide protection from miscarriages? You can't provide that. There are things that God said, I want you to have that only I can provide. I am your source of supply. And it is my will that you enter into that place called Canaan's land. In the New Testament, it's the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. But the tribe of so-and-so couldn't get in. Why? Because of unbelief. Because the leader influenced the others to disbelieve. Not to act upon the Word of God. So we're not going to provide proper leadership unless we believe God. And if you're a father out there and you say, well, I've not done this, I want you to know something. That was yesterday. And no matter what you've done yesterday, I said no matter what you've done yesterday, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Because when your Father God looks down at you in the morning time, when you get up tomorrow, when you wake up tomorrow morning, I want you to be like this psalmist. Go on back to Psalms. Hold your, hold your place right there. Just hold your hand in there just for a second. And go, go on back to Psalms um, 5. And verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto Thee and will look up. Do you know what that tells me? Just like when, when them little ones get out of bed and you're standing there in the hallway or wherever you're at and they get out of bed. They come running over to you with their eyes, you know, not awake, not wide open yet and they're rubbing their faces and whatever and they just look up to you. And the first thing you hear is, Mommy, Daddy. And they throw their hands up to you, just like that there. They are humbling themselves to you. They need you. They cry unto you. They want love. They want affection. They want to hug you. The first thing a child does in the morning. That's what they want. They want your love. They want your affection. They want your, you know, your kindness. Your acceptance. They want to know they're loved. They want security. And that's why they look up to you and, and lift their voice unto you first thing when they get up. 
Oh, beloved, He's saying here, right, it's not too late. He is so merciful as we pity our children. So the Lord pities them that fear Him. And when you humble yourself before your Father God, if it's tomorrow morning, if you didn't do it yesterday, it doesn't matter because when you wake up tomorrow morning, He'll look upon you. His mercies are renewed every morning just like yours are. And when you lift up your voice unto God and say, Father, you hear my prayer this morning. I look unto you this morning. You are my source of supply, Father God. You are my love. You are my life. You are my light. You are my salvation. You are my strength. You are my provider. You are my wisdom. You are my everything, Father God. That's why we lift up our hands like a child lifts up his or her hands unto the parent. And the father looked down from his holy habitation and said, Look, son, learn to me. And let's do it from today on. Let's do it. Let's start today. Let's start afresh. Let's start anew. Because you see, my mercies are renewed every morning unto you. And I'll give you rest unto your soul. You want to talk about soul rest? You know your mind races. My mind races, oh, a thousand miles an hour every day. You have got thoughts flashing through you faster than you can even think them. I mean, they're just shooting back and forth. What you have to do, what you have to learn. Oh, you got to go to work. You got to do this. You got to do that. All the things that run through our minds. And then you get the pressures. When I was in Bible school, I'll tell you what I thought for sure, for sure, for sure. I would never, ever, 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 ever learn anything that I was being taught. I mean, I, every class I went to, people teaching and preaching all these here subjects, and you think, how in the world, my lifetime is not enough to learn all this. My goodness, if it's going to take all this to know God. And then when you, they kick you out, they put you in for a nine-month course, and I mean, they just jam it inside your ears and your everywhere, any opening, they jam it in. Just jam, just like you do with your children. They don't eat you, and keep putting it in like that until they spit it back out. You know, sometimes they get you too. Well, that's what they kept doing. Well, you figure with all this in you, my goodness, I came out of school. You know what? You're going to preach. Yeah? Find a place to start. I'm telling you. Find a place to start. That's one of the biggest problems you have when you leave school like that. You want to teach everybody everything that you've learned, but you say, where do I begin? Where do I begin? Where do I start? That's not soul rest. Your mind will tell you you can't do it. Your mind will tell you you can't comprehend it. Your mind will tell you you'll never attain. You'll never achieve. Your mind will run or just, just run against you. You'll have rebellion in your mind and you're, it'll just keep racing and racing and racing and racing and saying you can't achieve this. You can't attain this. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to get into the promised land. You know what those giants represent? The doubts and the fears of people. And so you know what people do? They turn their back on the promised land, just like the Israelites did. And they provide leadership for their families, but not to get into that promised land. They stay in the world. Do you know what the wilderness is? The world system. They're going back. Actually, it's worse than the world system because you're in a place in between the two. And if you get to a place that God's not going to help you as much as He possibly can, you're in a bad place. You're going to die in the wilderness. And God doesn't want that. Here's soul rest. Go on back to Lamentations 3. Soul rest is in verse 24. Well, really both of these. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Your mercy is unto me. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Say it, my soul. Jesus said, learn of me. I'll give rest to your soul. 
He didn't say learn theology. He didn't go out to say, I'm theology. He says, I'm humility. I'm lowly. I'm meek. You'll find me in lowliness and in meekness, in humbleness of heart. You'll find me and you'll find rest under your soul. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. When you seek Him with your whole heart, Jeremiah said, then you will find Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Yoke up with me, Jesus said. Even in your youth. Young people, the only way there's going to be unity in your household, yoke up with Jesus right now and respect your parents. It'll cause you to get into the promised land a whole lot quicker. Respect, submit, humble yourselves before God and your parents and listen to what they're saying. Of course, if they're following God's holy word, you still have to respect them, but you're not going to do things that are contrary to what God's word teaches. I'm talking about getting into wrong things. Get a hold of the plan of God. Get a hold of, of, of the character of God. Get a proper image of God. See God as a loving, kind, affectionate Father who wants every good thing for His child, for all of His children. Yoke up with that. Get a hold of that. See that as it truly is in the realm of the Spirit. It's a loving Father reaching out as Jesus said, Come unto me. I'll take you under my wings. Learn of me in meekness and humility and I'll show you rest for your soul. Your soul calm down. I'm talking about in the midst of opposition, in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations, in the midst of all kind of calamity coming your way. You know what you'll sit back and do? You're going to provide for your family. You're going to provide leadership, proper leadership. Because in the midst of all that turmoil, do you know what the most important thing is to come out of your spirit and out of your soul? I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Say that with me. I believe God. I believe God. Though the giants may be there, fear and doubt, and unbelief, I believe God. I believe God. I will gain entrance into the promised land. Me and my household will enter in to that blessed rest. He's talking about the rest of your soul. That's what he's talking about. They could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. They could not enter in because they had unbelief. Their minds were going back and forth, back and forth. They could not become stable. They couldn't maintain that singleness of mind. See, the carnal mind says, don't believe God. But the spiritual mind says, you can make it. God will do it. Enter in. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you would please. And I want to show you what I mean about God's school of humility. And right before I get into it, I just want you to write down these four things if you're taking notes. 
The only way you can possibly be the Father God wants you to be is if, number one, you know God. Number one, you know God. Number two, you believe God. See, knowing God provides... causes you to be the right provider. If you don't provide the knowledge of God for your children, then you've not been successful. No matter how big your house is, no matter how much money they have in the bank. Because that's not enough for them. To be the provider that God wants you to be, you have to know God. To be the leader that God wants you to be, you have to believe God. Those leaders couldn't get their families in because they didn't believe God. Thirdly, to be the lover that God wants you to be, you have to imitate God. Be therefore imitators of God as dear children. And fathers, once again, here's an area where we have to be so alert. Imitate God. Imitate God. Act like God. See, our children are going to imitate us. They're going to see God in us. Or they're not going to see God in us, one or the other. So to be the Father God wants us to be, we have to imitate God. Act like God. Be imitators or mimickers of your Father God as dear children. That's what followers means in Ephesians 5.1. Imitate Him. Act like Him. How are we going to do that? It says right here, but fourthly, to be the ambassador God wants you to be, you have to manifest God. You know, our children want to see God. Did you know that? They want to see God in manifestation. They don't just want to hear us talking about it. They want to see God at work. They want to see Him in manifestation. They have to see Him in manifestation in our lives. If they don't see Him in manifestation, how can they believe? I said it just the other night, as I always say, if if we do not show God or demonstrate God, then we might as well worship this tree over here. We might as well worship this building. If we do not show God or demonstrate God, if they cannot see a living God through us, you might as well worship these instruments over here. Doesn't What's the difference? Beloved, our God is alive. Do you believe that? He is a living Father God. He, is, he cares. He's concerned. He is interested in all of our lives. If we want to be the Father, the parents that God wants us to be, it is of utmost importance that we know God, that we believe God, that we imitate God, and that we demonstrate or manifest God in our lives. And what I mean by that is right here. Here we find where, in this passage of Scripture, where most people miss it. The Israelites miss it right here. That's why they didn't enter in. They are so caught up in the worldly things. Verse 24, No man can serve two masters. He's either going to hate the one and love the other or else he's going to hold the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, first act of humility, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink for your body, what you're going to put on, what you're going to wear. Take no thought. Take no thought. you see what he's saying? You want to have rest to your soul? This is what Jesus is saying. Learn of me. You want to have rest unto your soul? We don't need to go through all these words to find out what he's saying. I believe it's plain and simple right here. We don't have to be a Greek scholar to find out what he's saying. It's plain and simple right here. Act obediently on this scripture and do what he's saying. Take no thought for your life. Beloved, that, if you want to humble yourself before God? This is the school of humility as opposed to the school of 
Theology. Get on your face before God every time you worry about where you're going to get your next paycheck, about what you're going to provide for your kids to eat, about working long enough or, or that sort of thing. You know, I believe that if people would do this, beloved, it wouldn't be very long before God would open up new doors and find new jobs and, and create new jobs and all that sort of thing. If people would get on their face before Him and say, Father, You said take no thought for my life. I don't take any thought for my life. I expect you, if you have to, send quail tonight. I expect you, if you have to, to multiply the loaves and the fishes on our table. I expect you. Do you see that? Beloved, we've not done what the Israelites did. We did, we were, when we were caught out of darkness, it wasn't like being caught out of Egypt. Now, you get caught out of darkness and you may have a, you know, a fortune. I honestly think that sometimes that's a sad thing if you do. Because the greatest joy I've ever experienced in life is having not one cent to my name and having to believe God. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. To know that I can say, mine be at rest. I've got a Father in heaven. And if this earth is removed from beneath me, His everlasting arms are beneath me and He'll lift me up. So I humble myself, Father God, to Your Word. That's what humility is. You said you would provide. You said, look at the sparrows. Be a bird watcher. Look and see how I feed them and know that I'll feed you, my son. And I say, Father God, oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes, that's right. That's what He's looking for. The school of humility, not theology. Take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. He goes on to say, the Gentiles seek after all these things. 31, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Wherewithal, what are we going to drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things, the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. To manifest God in your household, in your home, when the bills come in in front of your parents, get your children together, get a hold of their hands, get in this little bit of a circle, and stand before the throne of God, and open up your Bible, and look at it and say, Father God, you said, Father God, you said, we don't need any Greek interpretation or any Hebrew interpretation. You said, take no thought. We are your children. Here we are. I'm the Father. This is my family. I'm providing leadership because I believe you. We enter in the promised land. And it doesn't matter what kind of job I have. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I know that I know that you are my Father God. You provide for your own. You're not an infidel. I humble myself to you and to your word. Glory to God. I thank you for putting food on the table. I thank you for putting clothing upon their back. And I thank you for the shelter that we have and the provisions that we have because I know that you are the great Father God. And your mercies are upon every single one of us because we're your children. Brother, you're going to demonstrate God. You're going to demonstrate God. You're going to show God in that household, in that family. And we have done it time and time again. Time and time again. Show God. Demonstrate God. And beloved, you're going to see changes take place. That's why I think so many don't want to study the Bible anymore. We hear so much about all these things, about theology and about everything else. That who wants to sit down and study all that stuff? I believe this is a book of reality. And I believe the school of humility creates reality in the lives of people. When, when a sickness comes on the body, I believe the Father God wants this. We're out there in the wilderness. There are, there's no one else to provide for us. 
And I think that's why so many are not enjoying this. And beloved, I believe we're all guilty of it and we're all going to fall short and not enter in if we don't take our places as fathers, as mothers, as husbands and wives and children lining up. This is what God wants. Humility brings love and unity and that will take us right into the promises of God. I mean the fullness of the benefits of God. And that's where He wants us to be. But you see, this is how you get there. Oh, fathers, if you're here and, and listen with a spiritual ear, I want you to hear this. God wants you speaking with other tongues in your home, in your household. He wants you praying with other tongues where you live. He wants you to show God unto your children. He wants you to stand before His presence and let them know, I'm not ashamed to pray with other tongues. I'm not ashamed to lift up my voice and glorify God in a language that He gave me because He's my Father and He taught me how to pray with other tongues. And when I do it, I demonstrate God. I create the ability of God. And the power of God in this household. We stand for the things of God in this home, in this household. You'll begin to see changes take place. You're going to see children respecting the God that's living inside of you. I mean that. Once again, this isn't theology, beloved. If anything, it's humility. Because you know what it's like to walk around your house praying with other tongues, everybody looking at you like you're a loony? I mean that. But I think it's time we who are in Pentecost begin to stand proud. Can you be humble and stand proud? Oh, yes, about the things of God. Amen. Proud of that heritage. I stand for the things of God. We're ambassadors of God. And we're going to show God and promote God in our homes and our households. Beloved, there are those, like I said, God's going to find jobs. If you need a job, He's going to create a job for you because He has to honor His Word. And there's one more scripture. I, need, I, need, I can go on this forever, but there's another scripture. There's another scripture. This is heavy upon my heart. You know what Mark 11, 23 and 24 say? Do you know what they say? I'm going to say it to you just like the Spirit of God gave to me this morning. If there is a mountain in your life and your mouth has not removed it, it's because there's something wrong with your heart. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.